Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley from Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Monday, which means it's time for First and Ten with your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. And uh, we are wrapping up Raiders offseason uh, this week, uh, two-day minicamp. Tuesday and Wednesday. It was scheduled to go to Thursday, uh, but John Gruden's going to give uh, his players a break. They put in a lot of great work uh, this offseason. Uh, the majority of players were out there, 80 and above, pretty much every day um, during OTAs. So as a reward, uh, he's going to cut it uh, to three to two days from uh, three days. Now, they are making a uh, slight adjustment change on the time. There's intense heat expected uh, this week in Las Vegas. Uh, we're talking about like 116, 118 type of, type of heat. So uh, as a result of that, rather than practicing at 1030, which is what they've been doing during OTAs, uh, they're going to move it to the more traditional training camp, uh, at least Las Vegas training camp schedule of 7.30 a.m. in the morning. So set your alarm clocks for all the video and pictures that we're going to get ready to send these next couple of days because it's going to happen early in the morning. Just letting you know. Before we go any further and before I bring in Sam Gordon, uh, my great partner, just want to let you know that uh, First and Ten is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and presented by BlueWire.com. Sam, you got your alarm clock set for tomorrow? Um, um, yes, yes. It's going to be hot uh, and got to beat the heat by any means necessary. So, it's, I mean, we're, it's, it, we're the offseason. I mean, he can't win, right? Where did it go? Where did it go? Here we are uh, winding, winding down final preparations ahead of training camp, and then, then it's all full systems go next month. I mean, we're six weeks away. Right. Yep. Yeah, no question about it. And, um, you know, this will wrap it up this week. And um, after that, it's a it's a little bit of a break. Everyone uh, gets to unplug for just a little while. Um, although I do expect a lot of players to stay uh, around town and use, you know, the, the facility uh, as allowed uh, per, per NFL rules. Uh, but yes, uh, this is the official uh, end of the offseason and everything now starts pointing to training camp in uh, late July. I think the report date for teams across the league is July 27th. I would suspect that the Raiders quarterbacks and rookies will probably get in a couple days earlier, probably July 24th. Um, but as uh, we prepare for the last leg of the offseason, Sam, I'm really interested because I know that I think the access is going to be a little bit more um, uh, conducive for uh, for observation tomorrow and Wednesday. Um, and I'm really interested to see a couple of things. Number one, Sam, I'm interested in seeing uh, who's playing that perimeter cornerback spot. Uh, the majority of the time, the starting spot, is it going to be Casey Hayward or is it going to be Damon Arnett? Who's going to be lining up in the slot uh, as the starting slot cornerback? Is that going to be Damon Arnett? Maybe it's uh, Amik Robertson, last year's fourth-round pick uh, from Louisiana Tech. Maybe uh, Nate Hobbs, the rookie from Illinois, uh, is, is, is you know forcing himself into that picture. Uh, and then at safety, uh, we, we mentioned this last week, Sam, um, you know, based on some information that I got over the over the previous weekend, 
it was like, hey, not so fast on uh, on declaring Jonathan Abram and um, Trayvon Morig the the two safeties. Uh, the Raiders have openly said behind the scenes about a week about a week ago um, when I was checking in that you know still got to figure out who the two safeties are and then kind of confirmed over the in the middle of the week uh, Gus Bradley did a uh, an interview with JT uh, the Brick our good friend over at Raider Nation Radio and he basically said hey look um, we're looking at this safety position as if it's an open audition uh, so those two safety positions are open how let's. Talk about just that part of it right there, uh, Sam. How surprised are you that the Raiders are, you know, uh, not yet set on their two safeties? I'm a little surprised, right? I mean, just given that what they invested in Jonathan Abram and kind of the growth and the expectations that I know we had for him and just kind of he had for himself, right? You, you figure uh, coming into really his second full NFL season after a healthy offseason, having a year of film uh, out there available for him to study and for him to learn and just having that experience that – he was in prime position to, to, to capitalize on that and, and move forward with, with Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator playing in, in a situation in a system that would be more conducive to his strengths. But with that in mind, Vinny, I mean, you don't bring in all these defensive backs. You don't get, you don't go draft Tyree Gillespie in the, in the fourth round. Uh, if, if you feel a, a thousand percent certain that, that Jonathan Abrams is safe in the future. So I think, and we touched on it, you know, throughout the course of the offseason, what the Raiders did, especially with that secondary, with bringing in corners, bringing in safeties, they're trying to create a competition and figure out who the best guys are. Because as we know, you can say what you want about the pass rush. It wasn't, it wasn't prominent last year. Uh, the secondary struggled. The secondary struggled and, and Jonathan Abrams struggled in coverage. And, and regardless of what kind of role um, he's going to have, even if he's closer to the line of scrimmage or, or whatnot or, or whatever that second safety, the, the strong safety is doing, the coverage is going to be part of that. And if, if they feel like Tyree Gillespie comes out in, in, in mini camp this week and, and puts forth a good performance or, or competes uh, in training camp, I mean, I think the heat is on. And, you know, it's understandable. This, the, 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 everything about the defensive side of the ball last year was unacceptable for the most part. I, I thought the linebacking play was pretty solid. But we know that that secondary wasn't very good. And Jonathan Abram was a big part of that secondary and a big part of those struggles. So um, that, there's competition there. And, and I guess the hope would be from the Raiders' perspective, right, is that it brings out the best in Jonathan Abram. It brings out the best in Tyree Gillespie. It brings out the best in, in Trevon Merrick at, at that free safety spot. So um, we'll see. But, but to answer your original question, it's, you know, it's, it's not anything that I saw coming. I mean, we talked all offseason about how we thought these two safeties were going to complement one another under Gus Bradley. And like you said, not so fast. And, uh, and now we're going to get a look at it this week um, with minicamp. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, um, what it also uh, really points to is that, you know, Tyree Gillespie has definitely uh, opened up uh, some eyes. And that's a good thing. So, um, you know, he's a guy that uh, the Raiders have been impressed with in terms of the above the shoulders uh, grasp of what they're doing out there. Uh, they're really anxious to see him put the pads on. Uh, and when that you know, uh, gets introduced and the, the physicality uh, escalates a little bit, um, you know, all of a sudden they feel like they've got a guy that, you know, has a chance to get on the field earlier than, than expected. Uh, Gus Bradley did say that they feel like Tyree is going to be somebody that they can count on uh, as a special teams player right off the bat. Uh, but it looks like he's kind of forcing his way into a more prominent role, potentially. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think if I was, you know, to put some money on it, I would still think that it's going to be uh, Trayvon uh, uh, Merrig and and Jonathan Abram as the two starting safeties. But it's never a bad 
bad uh, thing to have uh, multiple players, more players and depth and, and people that are knocking on the door in a, in a big way. Um, so that's that's only going to make the Raiders, as you said, uh, better and that in that group better uh, in terms of the cornerbacks. Um, any expectations, uh, of, especially on that perimeter cornerback position? Well, we heard from Casey Hayward, who said he was you know strictly practicing on the perimeter, right um, on the outside. And, I, you know, I, I think he's going to get a crack at it. Right. I mean, he's still um, still only 31. So still, he still has a lot of good football left in him. And you want you know start 13 games last year for the Chargers under Gus, Gus Bradley in 16, the three previous years. You know, so under Gus Bradley. So um, you figure that they're not going to bring him in unless they have plans for him to make for, for him to be a difference maker. And again, um, just because if he were to, to, to secure that other starting spot on the outside or if that's where he's working and he's going to be the starter there going into the season, just because Damon Arnett shifts to the inside, if it is indeed Damon Arnett or whoever that may be, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because we know in today's league with, with the uh, gluttony of talented slot receivers or with tight ends moving inside or lining up in certain packages in the slot, like that position – you know, maybe it's not quite as sexy and, it, you know, it doesn't come with quite as much clout as being, you know, a shutdown corner on a perimeter, but it's still super, super important um, in today's in today's NFL. I mean, I, you, you feel like a lot of the packages teams line up with have, uh, you know, three cornerbacks now anyway. So uh, it, that that role, whoever gets that, that, that inside role, I think is just as valuable as whoever wins those, those outside jobs. Uh, because that's it's, it's such an important position these days. The, pretty much every offense in the NFL is, is working with some kind of slot receiver who's, who's a prominent part of the offense, or so it seems. So uh, if, if if Casey Hayward ends up um, snagging that, that spot on the outside, which you know, I think um, is a reasonable you know reasonable bet at, at this point, and Damon Arnett moves to the inside, uh, that's, that could work wonders for the Raiders' defense you know, long-term moving forward. When I was out there, when I've been out there uh, in OTAs, I, I really have been impressed by the depth um, in the defensive backfield. It's obvious that, you know, between bringing in Casey Hayward, Damon Arnett looking uh, physically uh, like a different player uh, out there, Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, uh, Tra- uh, Trayvon Morig, uh, Tyree uh, Gillespie. And, um, I'm missing a few guys, but uh, Carl Joseph. but. Yeah you can tell that uh, there was attention paid to the defensive backfield and it, and it looks like it. You could just see that the, the talent um, is a little bit deeper and same goes for the defensive line, uh, even without Yannick Ngakwe. And by the way, uh, I've been told that he's expected to be uh, at minicamp along with Josh Jacobs uh, and Quentin Jefferson, three of the, uh, the, the veteran players who kind of did their own thing during OTAs. There is an expectation that they're going to be back um, for minicamp. They're going to be there uh, front and center. Uh, in minicamp starting tomorrow. Um, but uh, you, you, I think that you just look at that defense now and it just looks like it's more complete. Um, you know, there's there's just better players. And that was without Quentin Jefferson or, or uh, Yannick Ngakwe, two really uh, pivotal players on that defense. It just looks a lot deeper, Sam. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was the focal point of the offseason, right? Getting deeper on the de- across the defensive front and then getting deeper – in uh, the secondary, and then really been adding veterans, right? Like adding veterans. We, we, this is a very, very young team last season, and I think that youth manifested itself in situational football, in key moments throughout the course of the year, uh, late in games, the different situations. Like we saw that youth kind of play itself out, and I don't think, um, I don't think that's going to be the, the, the case next year. Those young players are older, and now there are veterans in, in key positions that are going to be playing prominent roles 
leading the way. So not only do you add talent, but you add experience. And experience is super important. And, and, and you know, learning how to win is super important. You're bringing in guys that have won, the guys that have won at a high level. When you talk about unique Nagakwa, it was just with the Ravens. The Ravens, we know what kind of organization that is and what kind of class organization that is, right? J- Casey Hayward did a lot of winning with the Chargers. I mean, they, they had some really, really, really good teams. And then before that, of course, with Green Bay, you know, we know what Green Bay is all about, how much they've won and the, 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 the expectations there. So you're bringing in not just great players, but players with winning character, winning DNA, and winning experience. So, again, I'm not, you know, I don't know if these additions are going to all of a sudden the Raiders have a top 10 defense. Like, I don't think we're saying that at all. I think what we're saying is this is an improved, is we expect it to be an improved unit or more experienced unit that's going to look a lot different and have a lot more depth and, and be better uh, throughout the course of games and, and not just throughout the course of games, but throughout the course of the season with an understanding of what it takes to get through a, a full season and how to contend late in the year. I'm Jeff Gehrman, your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today, wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer. Now, speaking of uh, Casey Hayward, kind of a little bit of an interesting uh, development last week when we when we got a chance to talk to him. Uh, the question was posed because, you know, let's back it up for a second. When he um, when he signed with the Raiders, there was kind of an assumption that, um, you know, hey, we'll see what happens uh, on the perimeter. Obviously, Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen uh, are the two futures at that position. And I think the Raiders want to get that solidified ASAP, both players were um, high draft picks uh, and the Raiders, you know, want to want to make good on their return. And, you know, I think they feel like those two players are the future at those two positions and they want the, the future to start uh, ASAP, which if that were the case, then, you know, what do you do with Casey Hayward? And uh, the thinking was, well, um, you know, he's played slot cornerback in the past. Uh, that was his position when he was with the Green Bay Packers. With that being um, part of his resume, he'd be the likely candidate to kind of move inside where the Raiders do have an opening at slot cornerback position. However, in talking to Casey Hayward, kind of made it clear that uh, in so many words, like he prefers playing on the outside. He is open to doing whatever the team um, asks him to do, but it certainly doesn't sound like they've asked him to move inside or brought that up to him. Uh, and just based on his what he was saying when we talked to him, the body language and everything else like that, kind of wants to stay on the outside, Sam. You can't blame him. I mean, he's a pro bowler. He was a pro bowler on the outside 2016, 2017. He was an impact player on the outside. Um, he played a majority of his snaps, right? You look at the, his snap counts the last you know, handful of years, 76% of defensive snaps last year. Before that, 97, 98, 96%. This is a, a guy who in the past has been a shutdown corner, you know, again, not Deion Sanders, not the Rell Reavers, but a very good cornerback on the outside, particularly playing with Gus, you know, under Gus Bradley with the Chargers in 2017 and in the last few years as well. So uh, the fact that he's working out there, again, that you, you would think that there's an inkling there that he's going to remain there. And again, like you said, Benny, he started his career as a slot corner with the Green Bay Packers and has developed into a really good outside corner, right? Well, is that the blueprint for Damon Arnett? Hey, we have this veteran in here right now. He's going to be the guy, but Damon 
you, you develop a little bit in the slot, and when the time goes, you move to the outside. Is that in play? Sure. I don't. That doesn't sound unreasonable to me, does it? No, absolutely. And uh, you know, I've been I've been giving that a lot of thought uh, to just follow the blueprint blueprint that Casey Hayward. Um, you know, uh, followed early in his career. He started out at slot cornerback. He moved to outside cornerback. He was a really good player at both positions, but in the natural evolution of things, he ended up uh, out on the perimeter. So just because that's where you start doesn't mean that's where you end. Casey Hayward being the perfect uh, I- I- example of that. So uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense um, that, you know, if, if, if Casey Hayward, you know, here's the thing, and, and here's why this is, you know, why why, why this is so uh, relevant. I think the Raiders want to get, obviously, right, their best three cornerbacks on the field as much as possible. And if that is, um, you know, Casey Hayward, Trayvon Mullen, and, and Damon Arnett, and, and Casey Hayward would prefer to play out on the perimeter, you understand that, and you get that. And, um, and it's not the worst thing for Damon Arnett to start it off you know, if he stays healthy this year, his first full healthy season, if, if that is the case, turns out to be the case. Not a bad thing for him uh, to master that, cor- that that slot cornerback position and then with an eye on moving back over to the perimeter in the future. Whoever whoever ends up being a slot cornerback, they're going to have a ton of responsibility. They're going to be a huge part of, of the defense, just like everybody is, with a lot of responsibility and playing a key role in slowing down the opposing offenses and the, and the talented, you know, the gluttony of talented receivers that the Raiders are going to face this year. That's just what it is. That's where, that's where the NFL is going. You need a lot of good defensive backs, and the best teams have a bunch of really good defensive backs. So can the Raiders develop Damon Arnett into one of those? Can Will he develop into one? We'll see. But, again, I don't think it's an indictment against him if he starts out in the slot. Not not at all because, they're, again, like you said, there's a, a blueprint, a track record in place for, for guys starting in the slot, working their way to the outside and becoming really good players on the outside. And if those are the three best defensive backs, then, then that, that's on the coaching staff. That's on Gus Bradley to figure out how to deploy those guys in a way that has the biggest positive effect on the defense. Yep, for sure. Um, okay, so uh, over the weekend, I went over to the uh, Von Miller Pass Rush uh, Summit here in Las Vegas, the fifth annual. A lot of great young players uh, out there listening and learning um, uh, from Von Miller and from uh, DeMarcus Ware, his quote-unquote assistant coach, who, by the way, looks like he could step on the field right now and get about eight sacks. This dude is in tremendous 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 shape um and you know uh it was it was really cool because we got really great access i mean we were just feet from uh you know from from what was being taught and you know uh the instruction so we heard everything uh we heard all the dialogue saw all the drills uh it was really you know great to see the young players uh being as attentive as they were uh, to what demarcus um and 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 von were saying it was great to see two older players. I mean, I know DeMarcus no longer plays, but Von Miller being willing uh, to share his knowledge with a bunch of young players. He talked about that afterward. Like, you know, I know people are like, whoa, why are you giving away your secrets? Well, you know, I'm cool with where I am in my game right now. And number one, number two, I just want to give back. You know, this game has given me everything that I've ever gotten, you know, um, including being right here, you know, in Las Vegas uh, at this summit. I want to give back. And I think that's a great attitude to have in fact he talked about 
how he, he thinks, you know, well, there is now there's a little tight end thing going. Uh, there, there's always a quarterback type deal going. He wants to see a wide receiver cornerback uh, summit where, you know, wide receivers and, and, uh, and, and defensive and defensive backs can work against each other. Uh, there is now like a big man camp. I don't know if you saw that one. There's offensive line uh, groups that get together. So it's 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 improving the game and it's it's the older veterans kind of imparting their knowledge uh, to the younger players. I think that's a, a great thing. Now, having said all that, Max Crosby was out there. Solomon Thomas was out there. Uh, Darius Phylon were out there from from the Raiders. Uh, got a chance to talk to uh, to Max Crosby. The dude is in tremendous shape. Uh, there's some things that he did uh, on the personal side. Um you know, not to get all into that, you know, all the personal news uh, and everything like that. But there were some things that he did on the personal side uh, to really get himself in the right frame of mind in a lot of different ways. And and you can tell, you, I told him, I go, dude, you look freaking great right now. Um, he looks fantastic. And, you know, we talked about Sam, The you know, listen, the, the Raiders added a bunch of defensive linemen. Uh, Ngakwe is the headliner. Uh, there's also Malcolm Kuntz. Um, the young rookie from Buffalo who, who, who could get on the field uh, sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, Gus Bradley in that interview that I talked about with JT the Brick talked about, you know, hey, look, you know, there's no question Max wants to be on the field every single snap, every single play. But, you know, he's going to understand that, you know, we're trying to throw – uh, we being the Raiders, obviously, uh, this is uh, paraphrasing Gus Bradley, throw just waves and waves of, uh, of, of, of defenders, defensive linemen uh, at opposing quarterbacks. And his whole point was, you know, getting to that two, last two minutes of a game, you know, when you need it, when you have to have it and having as fresh a legs as possible out there. And one of the ways that you do that is by managing snaps and being able to build a rotation and a deep rotation. And so um, I guess the point was, look, Max Crosby may not start. That might be Yannick Ngagwe's uh, uh, starting job with, you know, Clee Farrell um, on the other side of defensive end. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to play a whole bunch of snaps. He will. And that Maybe by reducing those snaps, um, his efficiency will go up a, a, as a result. And also, end of game situations, end of season situations, everybody on the roster, all that defensive line, uh, that entire defensive line group will be in a much better position to deliver at key moments and at key stages uh, of the season. And, you know, in talking to Max, I think he's, I think he's, you know, I, he's a proud guy. He wants to be out there every play, Sam, but I think he understands, Hey, you know, this is going to help in the long run, the entire team, if it plays out where, you know, maybe he doesn't start, but he's playing a lot, but not as much as he did last year where I felt he got worn out. Yeah, I, I, again, the, the rotation thing I think is is great. Not in terms, you know, just game to game, right? Like you get you get to keep a number of players a little bit more fresh, and like you said, throughout the course of the game, you you have fresh pass a fresh pass rushers all, all game long, but throughout the course of the season too. I mean, there was a lot of responsibility that Max Crosby had last year, coming off of his sensational 2019 rookie season in which he had 10 sacks and. Well, uh, you know, he, he got banged up, right? There's no question about that. We, we know he had some, you know, uh, had some surgery in the offseason uh, and that he is, that he's, you know, finally getting right and getting healthy. But if you have other other players that can help ease that burden, I think that's only going to make him more effective and make the defensive line more effective as a whole. And we got to remember here, Vinny, 17 games this year now, too. Like, this, this is this is uncharted territory for the NFL. You can't just think about the 16 games. You, you have to add 
one more game. I know, okay, it's only 17, it's only one more. No, that matters, right? That, that wear and tear, you see how it affects teams throughout the course of the year. And the NFL, in so many ways, is like a, a, a battle of attrition. Like, who's who's the healthiest? Who loses the fewest key players? So, um, I, there's no doubt in my mind Max Crosby's still going to have a prominent role. Whether or not he's, you know, a, a quote-unquote starter, or whether or not he's finishing games, like, this team is going to need him. Even with the additions they made on the, the defensive line, he's proven so far through the first few years of his career that, that, that he's too good uh, of a pass rusher uh, to completely ignore and to completely keep him off the field. So, maybe imagine by having him in more of a rotational role, you're going to maximize his efficiency and get him at his best for spurts instead of getting him at, you know, 60 or 75% throughout the whole course of the game. I don't, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. You want depth. You want more good football players. You want a healthy, sustainable pass rush throughout the course of the game as opposed to just, you know, spots here and there. Like, depth is never a bad thing, and that's what the Raiders have. And we might see a really, really good bounce back year from Max Crosby as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And as we've done this, I think we've done this exercise on this uh, on, on the podcast. Um, you start looking at what Yannick Ngakwe is capable of doing, Max Crosby is capable of doing, Clee Farrell, um, Solomon Thomas, Quinton Jefferson, uh, perhaps Malcolm Kuntz, uh, Carl Nassib. Um, you, you start Jonathan Hankins. You start adding up just based on what these guys have done in the past. It's not hard uh to imagine this defensive line getting it turned around in a big way uh, as far as getting to the quarterback and turning 14 and a half sacks which they delivered last year you know assuming guys stay healthy to to 30 or more um you know uh, uh, next season more than doubling up what they did last year and remember there is a 17th game so you have to throw that into the equation as well uh but and it's not asking anybody or expecting anybody or predicting anybody to do anything outrageous. It's just seriously just what they've done in the past and just matching that. Um, and even on the conservative side, uh, it, it's it's easy to see that group uh, get up and over 30 sacks, which would make a huge difference for this defense. It would change everything. It, it would change everything. I, I believe that all great defenses start with, with uh, some kind of pass rush. And that doesn't necessarily mean getting – you know, sacking the quarterback every time, but it means putting pressure and, and speeding up the quarterback's internal clock and forcing him to make decisions. And throughout the course of the season last year, uh, I, I think I attribute a number of the problems the Raiders had last year defensively to the struggles they had on the defensive line. And that's not absolving the secondary or absolving the linebacking core for, for their struggles because they had, you know, situational struggles in their own right, as we recapped earlier. But if you – if the quarterback has, you know, two seconds to throw instead of three and a half, uh, that changes everything. The corners don't have to cover as long. The safeties get to be a little bit more aggressive, and the linebackers have less responsibility as well. It's synergy, right? Synergy. And if you can double that number, again, 14 and a half to, 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 to 20, you know, 28, 29, 30, it's not ridiculous with the help they brought in with a new scheme, with a new defensive coordinator that's going to put guys in situations that had a hand in building out this defense. It's not ridiculous. And then you, you look at how it can affect – the, the, the linebackers and the, the improved secondary on the back end. Again, I'm not, I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we're saying that the Raiders are going to be the 85 Bears or anything like that, but it's not hard to see a blueprint for a much improved unit that can complement what we figure to be a, a very good offense again um, in 2021, even though there's some question marks on the offense side of the ball, fewer on that side than the defense. If, if that defense can play at just an average level, right, 14th, 15th, 16th, then you're in business. Then, then you're in real business because this was a bottom five unit in the league last year. And, and even with that, the Raiders still found themselves in playoff contention all the way through December, despite the late game struggles, despite the way that they, they, they finished 
um, the season. They were still in the mix, you know, all the way up until week week 16. So uh, I think there's definitely a blueprint for, for that unit jumping up and becoming an average defense or maybe a little above average. And if so, then again, it's reasonable to expect this team to compete for a playoff berth again in 2021. No question about it. And um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what that defensive line population looks at, looks like, uh, what the rotation looks like. Um, I think we're going to get a, you know, a pretty decent idea of it uh, tomorrow. Obviously, nothing's etched in stone. Um, this is still just the offseason, still just mini camp. Uh, got a whole entire training camp uh, to sort things out. Uh, but but I really do think that the Raiders uh, feel good about where they are right now and good about getting a look uh, at this roster, a deep look at this roster uh, over these last uh, month or so, uh, and even really longer, but but really on the field uh, for these last three weeks and uh, the fourth week, this being this week, to, to give them my, an idea of where they stand before training camp. Remember, they didn't have this last year. Uh, they didn't see that full team. John Gruden didn't see who he had to work with literally until the start of training camp. And it was a crazy uh, training camp um, schedule-wise uh, because of COVID-19 last year. So uh, things are much more normal this year, much more on track. Uh, and I think the Raiders are, are, are trying to, to make the most of it and take advantage uh, of that. Uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, we talk about all of these things and, and really the, the, the fact of the matter is it has to translate uh, onto the field at some point. And I know the Raiders are, are gearing uh, uh, in that direction, toward that direction. Uh, but but I think everybody understands there's a sense of urgency this year for this team uh, to really get it right and to close things out. I, I'll tell you what, I have heard finish strong so much uh, during OTAs between players right now. It's like a constant theme, finish strong. And what haven't the Raiders done uh, the last couple of years, Sam? And that's finish strong. strong. Yeah. Whether it's key games, there's been some key games where they didn't finish strong, and obviously finishing that season strong. So we'll see. Uh, this is all fun to talk about right now, uh, but you know we won't know what this all truly means until the games start in September, and we can't wait for that. Sam, I uh, just want to say thanks for the great work as usual. Always appreciate it. Uh, thank you to our great producer, Larry Muir. He always does a great job making us sound really good and, and keeping us uh, on track. I want to say, obviously, thank you to the Las Vegas Review Journal. Thank you to BlueWire.com. Thank you to the listeners and fans and readers. Uh, the numbers are tremendous. We really appreciate um, all your interest in engaging with us and allowing us to be uh, your source of Raiders information. We do it for you. I, I know uh, I'm speaking for myself, but I know that Sam feels the exact same same way as does everybody here uh, at Vegas Nation. You're why we do this. And so uh, we want to give you the best and deliver the best uh, accuracy, newsworthiness, features, videos, photos, everything. Just go to VegasNation.com, download the app, Vegas Nation. It's all there for you. We have got you covered. Sam, um, look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. And uh, to everybody, including Sam and Larry, have a great week. Your time is valuable, so we've built a seven-minute non-stop newscast that fits into your daily routine. I'm Jen Ah. Seven at Seven keeps you informed anytime, anywhere. Look for top stories, weather, sports and sports betting, business, lifestyle and entertainment. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes. Watch Seven at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Streaming non-stop 24-7 from the Las Vegas Review Journal on your mobile or smart TV.